Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, so, you know, it's it's a weird, serendipitous kind of thing. But before, <laughs> literally, the we recorded this episode the night before Sydney Portier passed away, and so it is it is a very wild thing because you know I think Cam the next day you sent me a message on Instagram like, did you see this? And I was like what <laughs> like <laughs> again literally like just a few hours ago like we were talking about lilies of the field um and just cindy in general and so you know when you listen to this episode the reason why we're talking about him as if he is still alive is because he was very much so still he alive. was very much alive <laughs> um and so you know that's why we, we we didn't really get further in terms of like his legacy and all that but i think before this episode starts, we just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what he meant to to us and what he meant to, you know, black film in general. Mm. So, Cam, I'll go ahead and let you say a few words if you if you like. Um, I I think it speaks volumes that in the episode you're about to hear, we spend more time talking about his legacy than we do the film. Because he kind of had that eclipsing nature over Hollywood at the time, Black Hollywood in particular, and I guess the ongoing struggle that is civil rights Mm -hmm. and being Black in America. And I feel like the two are synonymous. Like you don't have the conversation about one unless the others involved mm-hmm. in a way right i mean i'm I'm not saying he's a pillar like he, i mean he, he kind of was that pillar though yeah. like martin luther king you know like malcolm x and he kind of bridged the gap for white people honestly <laughs> yes. where you know people who were it was like it's like the duality of malcolm and martin you know people were afraid of malcolm but accepted martin even though he, you know, brought way too many terrifying black men to the yeah. uh, to the <laughs> march on Washington, uh, but then like if you're yeah if you're th- then if you weren't rocking with uh, Martin, then you were with Malcolm, and then you're too militant, and then you have this figure in Hollywood who doesn't necessarily speak for black people, doesn't necessarily speak for African Americans, but gives a face to the turning point in American culture where black people were had enough. Yeah. Right. So either way you land on the civil rights spectrum, whether you're, you know, coming at it from a peaceful place of contention or, you know, a more militant stance, Sydney was that person where his charm, his charisma, his, uh his eloquence Mm -hmm. like the way he spoke literally the timbre of his voice yeah (laughs) you know spoke volumes to black people because they gave that gate he gave them someone to root for in a very specific time i know you reference in the episode and i can attest to what my parents have said but that your dad said that like when he saw in the heat of the night in the theater he was like 
there were audible gasps (laughs) when he slapped that white man in the face because no one had seen anything like that before. And I think that's, I mean, that's my number one rule of the movies is take me somewhere I haven't been before. Show me something I haven't seen before. And almost every role he took, his mere being there as a black man and as an eloquent black man and as a charismatic joyful sometimes black man Mm -hmm. was new territory for sure well i think he like a lot of black people in that time existed in a impossible time where like there was no you couldn't do the right thing you know what i mean because there was always going to be people black people or white people who had not just like criticism of you but like everything was so polemic that it's like either what you just did is like such an amazing incredible thing that has like furthered the race as a whole or like you're a fucking uncle tom you know what i mean like there's no there's no, <laughs> no in between in between you know what i mean and so sydney was trying to balance this line where similar to you know jackie robinson similar to you know even in the lineage right of you've got paul roberson and then you've got him and harry belafonte you know kind of right. like following up on that where mm-hmm you know either you're you know this outspoken person who's like very much of the movement and the times and like you know really like speaking out and for black people or you are just trying to do your job right like you're just trying to get a check keep your head down keep it moving and like sydney one was a true movie star you know in the age of movie stars Mm. right where you've got all these different people who are you know iconic figures in film like Sydney was legitimately one of those people like regardless of race or anything else just on pure talent alone like he was a movie star you know what I mean and early on like yeah hit right out the gate for real for sure but then because he's black it's like a whole other thing because you they'd never seen anybody like him before right like he was such mm-hmm. a dynamic performer and dynamic presence that like you had you had to put him in movies you know what I mean? because he was <laughs> that good but then it's also like oh what are white people gonna how how much are they gonna tolerate like how far can we push this thing before it's too much and now he's scary and like you know people don't want to pay money to see him anymore and obviously mm-hmm. you know for black people i mean there who else right like there wasn't really like we were saying in the in the episode, like there there weren't black movies, you know what I mean? It wasn't like Cindy could go just do a black film with a black director or a black screenwriter. Like he's as specifically at that level, like he's doing not only just the roles that are written for him, but you know, again, his legacy is very much so. I I was I could only do the roles offered to me, but I could control the roles that I took. Right, so he was very specific about which roles he took what he was trying to portray in the black community. And I think, you know, him and him and Sammy Davis Jr. got a raw deal in the sense that like people were like, but y'all ain't really black. And it's like, the, the, <laughs> city city is from the Bahamas. Right. So, like, <laughs> he's a black man. You know what I mean? You don't, get no, you don't get no blacker than that. And Sammy Davis Jr. was with the shits in, in ways that I think people just because, you know, you see him and he's smiling and he's singing and he's dancing. Don't really like understand like where he came from and how he came up. But again, he was a black man. You know what I mean? And like, right. I think both of them because they became so big and you know once you kind of enter into 
white favor, right? As a black celebrity, where like white people love you, right? You know what I mean? In a way mm-hmm. that's like you don't control that. <laughs> you're just doing <laughs> you're just doing what you do. And like, you're doing you, right? But then, but then white the white gaze embraces you, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to create, you're an artist, right? You're going to keep doing what you do. And I think for him, you know, it became a situation where, like I said, there's really no right answer, right? Like if he comes out and he's like super militant all of a sudden, well, you know, he's not going to get any more movie roles. And if he comes out and he just shuts his mouth, you know, like you're in the middle. I mean, you know, Lily's on the field came out in 1963, Mm -hmm. which is like shit's going down. You know what I mean? Shit's going down and shit continues to go down for the next several years up until 1967 where he finally makes uh, In the Heat of the Night and makes Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in the same year. And those Mm -hmm. are both like he slaps a white man and he kisses a white woman. Like those are two like (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's crazy. Right. Um, And so I mean think of all that but then think of the fact that he's literally the like you're not seeing black people in movies if you're not seeing Sidney Poitier right like there's other black actors and actresses at the time who are doing things but like they're not in these tentpole Hollywood films right and specifically not he's a leading man you know in some of these roles like that's literally unheard of right um and so I think when you think about his legacy I mean you can trace it you can trace it to Denzel now you can trace it to, you know, so many black actors that came after him who are taking straight from the Sidney Poitier playbook, right? Like they're, you know, not doing him bar for bar, you know, Soldier Boy Drake no, style. I, but like, I would I would say, I mean, unfortunately, taken from us also too soon, uh, Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. was definitely in that lineage where like you have Sidney Poitier is the first black man to win the Oscar for best actor. Then you have Denzel Washington who wins that very award on the same night that Sidney Poitier is uh, given the honorary Oscar. It's in the same uh, award ceremony. And then you have uh, Chadwick Boseman when the, he's the third. Yeah. And how many years of the Oscars, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he's the third Right. black man to win countless nominations for black men right, right. i mean we, we're not even countless because it's not really <laughs> you can count them mm-hmm. and they're very seldom but you have this uh, this person who was like on that same trajectory the the charm the efficacy mm-hmm. the eloquence the just sheer star power like yeah. seeing him in a movie even if it wasn't a great movie yeah was still like, wow, he jumps off the screen and it all came from the same blueprint, which was, you know, Sidney Poitier. And for sure, you know, it's sad because, you know, he he gave so much, you know, to us as a community and as people literally so much. He loved black people. And I think um, for somebody of his caliber, you know, to to always be so giving of his time and like of his gifts you know what i mean like he was definitely somebody who i think was was still pushing you know for black people in the arts in the film world to continue to to break those boundaries because you never want i mean when you're the first you know like specifically black people right like it's a it's a lot right because like 
literally everything is riding on you to not fuck it up right because then you know like you, you kind of feel that weight of like well if i don't do this right they're just gonna like they're gonna take it away from everybody like it's not just me right like you know like nobody's gonna work uh so you know i have to be exceptional i have to do all these things above and beyond mm-hmm. um but you know for him i think he he obviously understood like just how difficult of an industry it is and how difficult um you know it is in general to be you know a black person in these spaces like i can only he imagine. understood the no well, i was saying he understood the weight of it yeah. he understood that weight and he carried it yeah all the way for sure yeah i was gonna say i can only imagine the stories that he has uh from sets of just like the things that he saw and heard and, <laughs> and witnessed you know what i mean yeah like, let alone what he portrayed in those movies right you know like the lord knows what he heard at in crafty right i mean you <laughs> at think, the crafty table you think oh it's city Poitier. like everybody loved him and was nice to him no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what i mean like he probably he probably heard even even they call barack obama all kinds of wild right, stuff yeah. to his face right. so yeah but you know, we just we just want to take some time to thank Sydney for everything that he did. Um, yes, and, and all the contributions that he gave us for sure. Uh, but hopefully, you guys enjoy this episode. Um, yeah. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is a podcast where we deconstruct these white savior films and then we recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And it's just us today. It's been a minute since it's been <laughs> just us. You know, the but original it, recipe, white people won't save you. Yeah. You know, and like we've we've had a great run of guests you know i definitely am kind of unbelievable uh, a little bit for sure <laughs> yeah i mean the <laughs> amount of people that have not only like done the show but been like oh i want to do the you know like we reached out and just sent out a tweet of like oh looking for guests and people are like oh yeah bet like i want to i want to <laughs> talk about this this specific movie you know so like <laughs> you know that's definitely it surprises me every time honestly yeah like we did good on the premise, right? Like I think that we did well in kind of conceiving the show so that it makes it easy for people to kind of jump in. But I think we haven't done a solo show since we did mm. Cool Runnings, which was, that was a number of episodes ago. So, wow. Yeah. That, feels like, that honestly feels like forever ago. I know. Uh, so we've got a movie for y'all today, <laughs> which this is going to be interesting because this is the first movie that we've done that is kind of like a, a classic in a lot of different ways, but specifically, mm. this is a movie that comes from 1963. Uh, it's a City Portier film, and it's called Lilies of the Field, which is adapted uh, from a book by William Edward Barrett. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this movie in the sense of this is the movie that finally got City Portier his his Oscar. He won Best Actor in 1964 for this film uh this film also was nominated for a couple of other awards in that in that same year it's nominated for best picture 
Best Supporting Actress, Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, specifically Black and White. Uh, mm. when that was a specific category, but um, <laughs> that's how old this movie is. Yeah, and you know, it got some nominations for the, you know Golden Globes and you know a couple of other things. And just two years ago in 2020, it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry uh, by the Library of Congress. Okay, so you know, it's it's a movie that is interesting to watch today. You know, like <laughs> it, interesting to watch in in coming off of everything that we've been going through in the last couple of years but interesting to look back at in the perspective of this movie again came out in 1963 this is the same year that kennedy is assassinated this is you know a year before you know the civil rights act is passed and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like a lot of things are going on in america and this movie comes out and is <laughs> beloved right and again wins Cindy portier the best actor award which is the only the second time that a, a black person has won the award uh, since before, Hattie McDaniel yeah. and Gone with the Wind. Yeah, Hattie McDaniel was the first one, and she went for Best Supporting Actress. So this was the first time a black person had won in a leading role. Mm. I had never seen this movie before. I'd seen I've seen a few Sidney Poitier movies. There's a, there's a couple in his catalog that I got to fill in my gaps on, mm. like Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> My man directed Ghost Dad. <laughs> That's He's a got true a, fact. We can talk about uh, the the just like career trajectory of City Portier in a little bit, but sure, I would love to. <laughs> it's it's an interesting thing. But before we came on, I mean, you were saying this was the first time that you'd seen this movie as well, right? Yeah, this is uh, this is like one of those movies you just hear about. You just hear about it because, like you said, the historical reverence of it, you know, him being the first African-American to win an Oscar for a lead role. He was already on the map, though. He was already, like, you know, big guy around Hollywood at that point. Mm-hmm. But this kind of, like, gave him, skyrocketed him into, like, the fame that, you know, we would later know him for, for, like, you know, In the Heat of the Night, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Ghost Dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is this is like one of those movies you just hear about. And honestly, I thought it was a romance. Yeah. I honestly thought it was an interracial romance. And like, I was going to be seeing an uh, interracial couple walk through a fe- walk through a field. I'm not even going front. <laughs> like, I thought it was anything different than that. <laughs> I honestly think they were going to sit under trees and have like a before sunset kind of talk. And I was just going to be like, oh, how darling, you know? But this was completely different. Yeah. I mean, you're a few years off. That's. Not quite. Guess who's coming to dinner? But that's that's the interracial right. romance of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie is like I said before. It's based on a, a novel mm. that came out just a few years before the the movie did. So like it was a very fairly recent novel, and it's interesting to look at it because I mean we'll, we'll get to the just gen- the five minutes away bullshit in just a second. But like <laughs> the the movie itself like there's not a lot to it and i can see the reverence for it like it's a nice film right but it is interesting that this is the particular movie that not only did he win you know best actor for but is also like slated among his best roles and like his best performances because i watched it and i was like 
it's Sydney. Like he's doing it. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's definitely not a bad performance by any stretch of the right. imagination, but like he's also not doing a lot. Like as an actor, you know, and you are an actor. I'm not an actor, but just for, <laughs> like me watching, I was just kind of like, because this is this is a this is a break for him, right? Like again, mm. we talked about the Defiant Ones and um, you know Blackboard Jungle and like some of the other films that he'd been in before, mm. and those are definitely more serious roles, and those are definitely roles where, you know, I mean he he he's constantly been given a lot of shit throughout his career for playing like exceptional Negro, right? Like uh, the above and beyond black person who's just like right close to so close to perfection, right? And this is a comedy yeah a comedy it, drama it's like a it's a drama that has like light-hearted moments in it i wouldn't even i don't know if i would even consider it a comedy yeah i mean it's billed as a comedy so you know like and he's 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 definitely playing a much more light-hearted role right i mean he's smiling he's laughing he's singing he's mm-hmm. dancing you know what I mean? like, <laughs> he's having a good time you know he's, he's yeah yeah and the the few emotional dramatic beats that he has to hit again it's not like they're non-existent but like he's not digging deep you know on yeah. this one like he's not really pulling it out so the fact that yeah, they this... were like this was the, the yes not just you know the best performance of that particular year but like up until then like the the inference by giving him this award is like oh this is the best you've done this is so your far. best performance. Right. Which is kind of like, I don't know. I got questions about that that we'll get to in a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Oscars have gotten it wrong many, many times before. So this isn't anything new, but this is definitely, it feels incorrect only because, <laughs> <laughs> only because he's, he's, he's doing good work, you know? Yeah. But as an actor, I feel like it's almost strictly a charisma driven performance. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, let me get let me get into this five minutes. Cameron has threatened yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you. Um. So I I feel like I could I say this all the time. I say it every time. You every do single say time. It. I'm like I got it. Five minutes is no problem. Um, I feel like I do this five minutes though. So whenever you have the time already, I will. I'll I'll test my I luck. Think I'll see what you could do. It. I I honestly think you could. Here we go. We'll all right, up. three. Two, one. <laughs> so, the thing I like most about this movie is that, like, it's only an hour and a half, and they really just jump right into it. Because, like, Woo. literally, the first scene is Sidney Portier pulling up. We don't really get a lot of background on him, but he's he's driving by, and he sees you know a couple women working on a fence, and uh, they're nuns, and his his car needs some water. His car is overheating, so he stops. He asks for some water. They're trying to do some repairs around uh, their house. And one of the mother nuns, Mother Maria, is like, it doesn't even ask him. She's basically like, you're going to fix the roof. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. for money, right? And she doesn't say anything, but he just kind of infers that money is going to be exchanged. He briefly drives away, but then counts the money that he has. Apparently, it's not enough because he pulls back up and is like, all right, I'll fix your roof for you, you know, like as an exchange. And so he fixes the roof. And then he comes back down and then, you know, Mother Maria's like, all right, you know, dinner's at whatever time, right? Like, I'll ring the bell. And he's like, I'm not staying for dinner. I'm going to leave. You need to pay me what you owe me. 
and she just goes back inside the house and then she rings the bell at a, at a later time and he comes in for dinner and it's that i mean that's basically the impetus for much of the film is that city portier whose name is homer smith and the nuns call him homer schmidt because they are german you know like they kind of continue to goad him into doing stuff for free around their yep. house fixing stuff for them and you know like we get the sense that like he's perturbed by it and at a certain point like at a certain point it's almost like i'm not going to leave until you pay me right but then he just kept doing stuff which is confusing like he should just stop and get his money but he, he keeps doing stuff until one day he's just like I, okay i'm out i'm gonna leave and he's like i'm gonna go this way and they're like oh you're going that way we're also going that way you should take us with you and he drives them out across this highway and they ask him to stop at uh, basically like a parking lot with like a restaurant in it. It's basically it's real out the way. They're in Arizona. And like when they go there in the it, basically in this parking lot, there's like an RV setup that's, you know, there's a there's a priest in there and it's like a mobile church. And so all the, you know, basically all the Mexicans and Mexican-Americans uh, in in that area are coming over to pray and like this is their church and so you know sydney learns from the guy who runs the restaurant that mm. you know th these sisters were gifted this land by you know somebody who you know passed away recently and they came all the way from berlin uh in germany they climbed he says they literally climbed over the wall and traveled all the way over here to set up a church you know on that land and so Sydney's starting I mean starting to feel bad for them and like they really don't have anything they don't have any food they don't have any really means of of getting by they're just kind of out there on the desert getting by on God getting by on Jesus <laughs> and one day you know uh, Mother Maria is like you're I, I, I would like to build a chapel and he's like oh cool bet who's gonna do that and she's like you're gonna do that you're gonna build a chapel for me and you know at that point he's basically like he's kind of all the way in like it's very, it's very straight like she just will tell him that he's gonna do things and then he's like okay yeah like <laughs> I, I guess i am gonna do that um you know because they go back and forth with like bible quotes and stuff and she you know always checkmates him but he starts to build the chapel right and they don't really have any materials for it so he's kind of using whatever they have on hand and like a couple of bricks and like Mother Maria's like, look, 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 I'm going to write to these people. I'm going to, like, get some charity. People are going to, you know, help us out. Homer doesn't really believe it. At a certain point, he takes a job at, like, as, at, for, you know, this construction company. And he's working there, like, a couple days out of the week. And then he's helping to build the chapel the other days of the week. And he's using the money that he's getting to, like, buy amenities for the sisters. Like, he's buying them food he buys i think like a bathtub and like some other stuff eventually there comes a point where you know like he's very insistent on doing it himself but uh some of the the people who are going to that mobile church come by and they're like you know this is crazy that you're trying to do this by yourself like we would like to help you build this church and that's five. Oh boy all right well <laughs> oh, you know I'm, I'm very close you're close uh, you're really close yeah. And so at first he's resistant to it. There's an interesting line that we're going to talk about in a little bit where he basically says, like, you know, I, I always wanted to be an architect or an engineer of some kind. And like, if only things had been different in my life, you know, I would have gotten that chance. 
And so that's why he's kind of resistant to to having people help. But then, you know, finally they all help pitch in to build the church. Um, it takes a little bit. There's a little bit of will they, won't they with the, you know, materials. At some point he does leave again, <laughs> uh, you know, when they when they run out of materials. And then he does come back, I guess, having acquired more stuff and money. And they finish the construction of the church. The night that they finished the construction of the church, you know, it's kind of bittersweet because, like, that's the thing that's been keeping them together. And so Homer is kind of like, you know, there's nothing really left for me to do here, right? Like, Mother Maria is like, oh, we're going to build a school next. We're going to do this next. But he's kind of like, you know, I did what I came to do. And so in the middle of a song, uh, he just kind of dips out in the middle of the night and drives oh. off. And that's the end of the movie. That was it. Uh, yeah. 620. Damn. It really <laughs> it was not that much. I know. You gave uh, that movie a lot. <laughs> I probably I did. <laughs> well, it's cool I, though. But that's that's a clear, very concise way of uh, going over that last ninety-five minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, because the thing about the second half of the film, once the church starts getting constructed, is like there's really not any drama to it. Like there was There's never not a, a whole moment... lot of the drama to the movie. Yeah, there was never a moment where I was like, "Oh, they're not going to build that church." It was just like, "Well, yeah, he's going to build. He's going to build it." Like I, <laughs> you know, I, mean? I like, accidentally was doing research while I was watching the movie, and I saw a picture of him with the cross on the top of the church. So I was like, "Damn, it gets built." <laughs> yeah, you know, like there's. I don't think there's really anything in there where it's just like, you know, there's there's some tension between him and Mother Maria, but like even that. Yeah, they go back to... and forth. Yeah, but really, like that. Re- I guess that relationship is the driving force of the drama. But like, mm. he really just does what she tells him to do, <laughs> more yeah. or less. Like, even when he's like indignant about it, he eventually does it. So it's not even like he's not listening to her or like telling her to fuck off and like doing what he wants to do. Mm. Like she's like, I think doesn't she call him lazy or something at some point? He's like, you know, no, I don't know. that's the the uh the co- the contractor guy oh yeah well she says something about you know it's time to get up and he's like you know you, you don't talk to me like that you know like i'm not one oh, of these yeah, nuns yeah, you, you yeah. know i do what i want when i want to do it but then eventually he he, that, yeah eventually he does do what she asked him to do so it's like it's more like a teenager you know who's like you know mom is like clean your room and he's like uh, yeah you know i'm gonna give you that lip but then but I'm going to do it. Yeah, but also I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm going to make a big scene about it, but then I'm going to eventually end up doing the thing you asked me to do. So, <laughs> so I I will say, this is what I'll say, because this will kind of coincide a little bit with the research in that, I mean, we already said that, you know, he he won an Oscar for this. And for me, this is like if Denzel won his Oscar, but for John Q., yeah, right? where it's yeah. like, or the, or the preacher's wife, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, where it's like, I mean, it's Denzel, so it's like it's not bad, but it's also like that's not the best <laughs> role that he's been in, and like even Denzel winning, and Denzel was the first one to win in a leading role, a first you know black person to win in a leading role since Sidney Poitier. You know what I mean? Right. So when he won for Training Day, that was kind of like. I guess a passing of the baton a little bit, but also just like a 
Damn, it's been since Sydney Poitier <laughs> that a black person has won for a and leading we all, role. We category. all felt it. Like right. the community collectively felt it. Like that was the wrong one. Yeah. Like you know, if even since Glory, he had done sure. Malcolm X by then. Right. And that's he the had thing. Done Ma- like Malcolm X, he, um uh, he'd done a he's done a ton of stuff. A ton um, of stuff since then. He was in Philadelphia. Yeah. He, I mean, come on. So but I mean, even that though, like I would say like Denzel is giving way more in Training Day than Sydney is giving in this movie. Sydney <laughs> is kind of just hang. He's do. He's hanging out. He's 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 playing Sydney Portier basically. It's a hundred percent charisma. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and he's he's a movie star. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, the same way Tom yeah. Cruise or Brad Pitt or you know anybody like that. You just put them in a thing, even if it's not a good thing. It's like. But you're still watching them, right? Like they're still right, doing, right. and even like the most basic material, they're going to breathe some life into. And so, it's kind yeah. of the same thing here, where like there's not really a lot for him to work with, but he makes it work because it's City Port. <laughs> and it, I, I will say, I mean, it's a very like the story itself is a it's a very sweet story, um, yeah. very like low stakes, like you said. But you're right. He does elevate the material and he kept me completely engaged mm-hmm. through what like 12 year old Cameron would consider a boring ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene early on where he uh, he's eating dinner with the nuns and then afterwards they sit down to listen to a record of English lessons. Yeah. And they're saying stuff like, you know, uh, I have six pairs of socks mm-hmm. or stuff like that. And then he tells them, you know, what a phonograph is, what a record is. He says that the record is black like his skin. The stove is black like his skin. And there's that dynamic where he says, you know, your skin is white. My skin is black. Not in the heat of the night by any means. It's not like, (laughs) yeah, no, it's not some incredible sermon, but it's definitely like, he makes it a very engaging scene. And like, mm-hmm. I won't say that there's not tension in the scene because it's not really, but he creates like a dynamism between the nuns and himself in that scene where you're yeah. like, oh, their relationship is very specific. Right. And he does, he does that in what could have been like, you know, so regular for anybody else, probably. Or I won't say anybody else, but for a lot of actors black or white what could have been a very boring scene uh you know elevated and definitely exciting for sure well let's let's lay out a few things for people who haven't seen this movie before because i think uh, there's a couple things that i want to talk about just in the, in, in respect mm. to the movie itself and then you know we could sure, talk about the sydney city port yeah, yeah 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 um so <laughs> in terms of our show right you know, like the white saviorism of it all. This movie is is an interesting one because I think that if anything, you know, I had this conversation with my dad when he was telling me about this movie. He he describes this as kind of like the impetus of the magical Negro, right? Like this is kind of like City <laughs> is playing kind of like the first version of that because it is a very strange arc for his character because like he 
again, literally the movie is like he it opens with him driving up, you know, to these nuns asking for some water. They again, don't really like ask in the sense of like, oh, could you please? But more so like you're going to yeah, no. fix the roof. <laughs> Mother Maria definitely <laughs> tells him to fix the roof. You know, and he begrudgingly does so. But it's 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 a series of that, right? Like she'll tell him to do something. That is then, their relationship for the entire movie. It doesn't then, really change. Yeah, and then he'll do it in a way that like no human being, right? Like no, and most people at a certain <laughs> point, even nuns, right? Like bless you, you all seem very nice, nice people, Jesus, etc. <laughs> if you're not gonna pay me for my services. Like I'm doing hard labor. It's Arizona. It's hot out here. I'm not it's just hot. like, you know what I mean? The roof is one thing. I'll fix the roof. And I'll yeah, be even on my I was watching the movie and was like, all right, I bet like I would fix the roof. I would even be like, right. all right, uh, I guess I don't, I can't like get water from you guys and have water leaking on y'all when it rains. That's ridiculous. right. You know, but like build a church for you, build a like, whole church do all these other things that he seems like he's fixing up the whole like area around the house and like, you know, and, and sure. The movie is, is implying that that's its own, like their relationship is the reward, right? Like what they're getting from each other, you know, this thing between them is worth more than money or anything like that. Or Mother Maria would say the relationship between him and God. Him and God, right. And so I think that's the saving. I think if you want to take it as the literal salvation, right? Like sure, yeah. his soul is saved. Um, but I mean, I want to get your opinion because I think for me, like the saving is the saving happens in a particular scene, which is just a whole, it's a whole other thing to talk about, which is how, this movie go ahead and get into it go ahead what was the scene what's the scene you're talking about well i i think i have i think i know who saves who in my opinion yeah, i feel yeah. like I, I i got that okay and it's not the regular answer no well so i think it's it's the scene where they had just started to like really build the chaplain artist and like all those people that come over yeah. and he's feeling you know, down and out because he personally wanted to build the church on his pride mm. and all that stuff. And so he's sitting down, you know, the, the nuns are kind of like going over some books and like, they're very excited. Cause you know, they're like, Oh, this is really going to happen. And, you know, he's over there lamenting like, Oh, you know, well, you know, if things had been different, you know, if I had gotten a chance to have a better education in so many words, cause this is what this movie does is it never really, talks about race or has a conversation about race there's that oh, very no. random scene that you described where he goes from holding up the record to like telling them that he's black yeah <laughs> and then they're just like i don't understand <laughs> what you're trying to tell me which again is very confusing because they're from berlin it's not like they don't know black people you know it's not like black people are a foreign concept to you know, like Berlin is not even at that time, as much as it was yeah. cut off, like it wasn't like a, a, a another world. <laughs> I mean, yeah. where they had no yeah. like even if they didn't know 
American black people. They knew black like black people like writ even large, Berlin you know in the mean? late 40s was like fairly cosmopolitan. Right. I'm sure I'm sure Josephine Baker got to shake her ass <laughs> in Berlin once between 1945 and 1950. You know, so I, I don't know if that scene in itself was supposed to like imply that they don't understand race or yeah. like you know what what differences there would be between them or anything like that but you know so sydney's sitting there he's he's kind of lamenting he's he's talking about man you know i would have been an engineer i would have been an architect i would have built the golden gate bridge and done all this other stuff yeah he does say that yeah and then they just kind of like laugh it off like mm, mm. ha you know like i guess <laughs> you know and <laughs> sure it's done in a way that the movie perceives to be comedic and i took it as tragic because yes, you know sydney yes. 100% expressing a real like not not just a real you know complaint but like just a real thing of like how many it, black people throughout the course of history were denied opportunity for literally because of the color of their skin. Yeah, just some bullshit. But they were capable. They were capable and could have done great things, but never had the opportunity because society said you people don't get to do that, right? Right, right. And so, you know, this is like a a moment of pathos in the movie. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, haha, you know, it's onto the next scene. Yeah. yeah. And it's just I was just like, wow. Like I don't think the movie understood on any level what was happening in that scene and i feel like Sydney that's why did. i wouldn't that's why yeah that's why i wouldn't even <laughs> consider it a, a comedy honestly yeah because when there are scenes like like the the stove uh scene and mm-hmm. the record that whole thing is played for laughs and even yeah. when he does do that like when he talks about his skin and talks about how he's different mm-hmm. it's also played for laughs and like even though sydney is playing it as comedy yeah it's a kind of raw real moment where these women are like you know coming into contact with a black person and like understanding that no matter how you know things get life is always different for him yeah than it is for them well and but i think in that scene we we were kind of getting the the saving of it all because like they allow him to have the opportunity to do the thing that he never had in larger society. So he gets to build a thing. He gets to see it to completion. He gets to write his name on it at the end. Which is how I, well, to get back to your question to me, um, that's how I saw the saving in the Mm -hmm. movie. I kind of saw it as they were saving each other. Yeah. The nuns are saving Homer from a life of like, a lack of purpose right you know homer would never have the chance like you said he would never have the chance to build the golden gate bridge he would never have the chance to uh you know put his hands to the grindstone and build something of his own for himself mm-hmm. that's why he spends like i i would say the last 20 minutes of the movie kind of bumming out that he doesn't yeah. get to the 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 mexican townspeople are helping him build the church because yeah. he's like i wanted to build it for myself i wanted to do that right and that's where at the end when he has the he's has the opportunity to put the cross on top mm-hmm. and he writes his name in the concrete and that's like the that's his big catharsis moment that he's yeah. like yeah i built this or i put this here with my own hands and like 
he's been given purpose by the nuns and the nuns got their right. church. So it's like they save each other in that sense. Right. That's how I that's how I saw it. That's how I saw it, too. And I mean, it's it's interesting because I think that. You know, like like we said, it's a very nice movie and they kind of don't really get into any real world anything like it is just kind of like look at these look at this nice group of people doing nice things for each other except for the contractor who was a racist asshole which <laughs> and he 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 had the he had the like we said in the cool runnings episode you know he has the jamaica line basically oh yeah yeah no, where he, he calls sydney a nigga but doesn't call the nigga you know yeah, he calls a boy a few times and sydney calls, calls a boy, him a boy, to... boy in return yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Doesn't he, he does. say he's like shiftly? Shifty? He says his. He says he's. Uh, you know, he's. Well, he says you know, lazy, shiftless. You know the type. Right. <laughs> and I wanted to get up on my seat, you know, find this white man real quick and just you know show him how lazy and shiftless I was. Yeah, you know? he said that real casual too, like it, it, the, just the. <laughs> The, the sheer just like I'm just cool about saying wild shit about this yeah. person I don't know who I'm gonna hire to right. do work for me and then later I'm gonna need his help so bad for sure well I uh, mean his three act art was you know getting punched in the face by Cameron at the end that's that's yeah. that's how that went down I mean we know that <laughs> white people are crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. it's true though he literally just met this man called a boy. Mm-hmm. then got called boy to his own face you know yeah. he was like he got a taste of that but still later in the movie he calls him shiftless but then later later in the movie needs his help ever so bad to finish a freeway contract but then this is the weird thing because this movie wants to absolve everybody oh that's he, right that's he right he brings yeah. materials to them he brings bricks free of yeah. charge just to do like you know what i mean and then afterwards just to do he's the like, good deed and get into heaven you know yeah do, to do his bit to get into heaven afterwards he's he's like oh man like she's gonna be asking me for stuff all the time i should never have done that yada 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 but like but he does do it yeah like <laughs> really like un unprompted like he just it's literally the next scene it's like yeah i'm a piece of shit it's like i went home and thought about it and i brought <laughs> you these bricks <laughs> so yeah i think you know, it, it is interesting just to see how a, a, mo- a movie in 1963, again, mm. just the, the heart of, you know, so much turmoil within the country is and like with specifically. So like the the book itself is the same, right? Like it's specifically a black man comes to this this, uh, you know, group of white nuns. Um, they're mm. in Colorado, not Arizona, but like. Everything else in the movie is basically the same thing. And so, you know, the specifics of specifically a black man at this time, you know, being involved in the situation, it doesn't necessarily cry out for, you know, racial, like, social commentary, but it is also like, that's a purposeful act, though. Like, that's not a thing that's by accident or just like up to specifically in a novel. I mean, you know, you, you mm-hmm. are in complete control mm-hmm. of everything that's happening there, but then, <laughs> you know, in the, in the movie too, like the director specifically wanted to keep it a black person and specifically only sought out Sidney Portier. Right. And so like, I think it's, it's interesting in that like there's, I mean, you know, there is, there's a ton of things going on at the time. You know, even in regards to to media and like the kind of media that was being shown and coming out and like 
the way that black people wanted to be seen and represented, you know, mm. on screen and, mm-hmm. and, you know, in television and all that stuff. And so like Sydney was the pinnacle, right? But at the same time, there were a lot of black people who were kind of who were literally calling him an Uncle Tom and, um, you know, oh, yeah. very much so like upset that he wasn't doing more. But at the same time, what's so complicated about it is like, I don't, I mean, I, it's hard to say what you would want Cindy Portier to do, right? Like, in the sense that he, black people aren't making movies <laughs> like it's it's not as it's not like he's you know acting in these exclusively white films if he had the option to do black films or even do films himself like he's in a in a upper echelon of you know like the robert redfords and like all these other like oh, yeah. top actors of the time mm-hmm and he's getting roles which no, like he's not getting the same roles that Robert Redford is getting, but he's getting the best roles that any black person is getting. You know what I mean? Well, right. Like think about it. If if Sidney Potier showed up in Twelve Angry Men as, you know, juror number seven, yeah. The movie would be about how he's juror number seven. Yeah, yeah. You know, the 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 times were changing, but also the films that were being made we're trying to reflect the time changing right yeah so like you said this un this unwarranted pressure is put on him to be like well why aren't you changing film bro yeah like i can't i'm i can't direct the movie i'm in i can't change the plot (laughs) of the movie i'm in i can only bring what i bring to it that's my job and he i mean to this day is very much so just like you know, I couldn't control the roles that were given to me, but I could control the roles that I accepted. Right. right. So like, you know, I wasn't going to be a pimp. I wasn't going to be a hustler. Right. I wasn't going to be a drug addict. I wasn't going to be, you know, whatever. I was always going to be, you know, the best of, you know, whatever role was being offered to me, which again came with the criticism of like, you're I mean you're playing an unrealistic version of a black person right like you're you're this exceptional best you're an exceptional negro right even in guess who's coming to dinner black people are like what like what are you doing (laughs) you know what I mean like there's no you know you're a black doctor which at the time was also just like huh and you know it was like playing it in a way that I don't think people were expecting him to be, you know, like Richard Pryor. Guess who's coming to dinner, right? But like, right, um, <laughs> that's a different movie. Guess who's coming to dinner? A nigger, right? Like that's <laughs> that's who it is, right? Like it wasn't gonna be that, but it was it was gonna be a situation where it's like, yeah, like he's gotta be almost this unattainable version of blackness or more specifically which is i think the criticism that black people had was he's playing the black version of what white people want us to be what right? white you people know? want black people to be you're 100 percent right you're 100 percent right it's uh we talked about this before uh black art for the black gays yeah that wasn't even happening. That's not a thing at that time, right? It was happening, but, but you, but only black people oh, knew yes. about it. <laughs> <laughs> They're having meetings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like th- those movies aren't happening. So, mm-hmm. or at least not on a large scale, right? Yeah. So even when 
he is exuding like this, you know, ultra masculine, ultra um, forthright type of person. He's still black at the end yeah. of the day. He's still got to be in situations where like, even in the defiant ones, he's an ex-con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a criminal. He's a person yeah. who was a criminal. Even if he's standing up for his rights or standing up for what he believes to be true, he's still a criminal. Yeah. Uh, even in this movie, he's a, a forthright guy, a smart, capable person, yep. but he doesn't have a good job. He's nope. living out of his car. He's kind of just a nomad getting by from job to job. He's mm-hmm. not necessarily like somebody who... Uh, is doing well right no so this is this is what white people assume blackness to be like even Mm -hmm. if you're great you're still like a person who still can't amount to much the other white people in town still think you're lazy still think you're shiftless right but even to be like it's it's a duality right you're playing somebody in real life you're playing people who exist right you're playing right. a version of people who exist but you're still Sidney Poitier you're yeah. still the pinnacle of black actors yeah. you're still and, and honestly like a blueprint for black actors going forward mm-hmm. you've got this incredible uh pressure and um something to uh something to uphold oh yeah so it's like it's, it's like a let me be great why can't you let mm-hmm. me be great? I, I want to be great. I yeah. want to be that person you want You want blackness to look like. Right. But even the roles you're giving me, even the roles you're giving black uh, actors at the time, still criminals, still workers, still laborers, still mm-hmm. like, because they can't play anything outside of, if they're in a you know reality-based film, they can't be anything outside of reality. Yeah. And even if it's, you know, outside of reality, I think back to... Um, I think back to Cabin in the Sky, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a musical set in a fantastical world about, you know, musicians, gamblers, singers, uh, people who are poor. It, it Even in a fantastical setting, Negroes aren't, you know, like well to do. So even if there's still this like greatness, even if there's still this like upper echelon to aspire to, you're not you're not going to play that no even if you're the best actor in hollywood which right they acknowledged him to be at the time and it's and it's interesting to see a lot of the criticisms that people had about him kind of play out in this movie because mm-hmm. you know i mean like he is very nice and he's very like he's he's not threatening at all right like uh, one of the big criticisms about him is like, even though he's exuding all this masculine energy in all these films, like he's he's a non-sexual being, right? Like, there's nothing. Even though he's got his shirt off and stuff like that, but like, it's like the second scene he has a shirt off. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's but it's like City Portier. Uh, is it gonna have any romantic relationship with any of these white women? With any of like you know, he's he's a, nuns <laughs> because it's like you know think about the one of the first films you think about birth of a nation like you know black black male you know sexual energy running rampant all the white women are in danger like yes you know the idea of this black man sleeping outside of this house of nuns is like 
probably somebody's nightmare, right? Like, <laughs> like who knows what he's going to do to them, right? But like, never, it's not even hinted at. As, as, as the great as, prophet Dave Chappelle once said, hide your kids, hide your wife, you know? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not even a thing that's even insinuated in the slightest bit, like, that there's any, that Cindy Portier in this movie would even have sex or consider sex as a thing to do. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, crazy. Just... It's because, because you know, that's why his shirt is off. Like, right. <laughs> you, you know, his shirt is only off for the women in the theater who are like the wives of these mm-hmm. people who brought them to the theater to be like, oh my God. Yeah, you know, uh, a little hot under the collar, <laughs> and it's not even to insinuate in this movie that he should be like wooing a, a nut, a nut, because <laughs> like that's that. fucked up. <laughs> but but it's to say that you know this was this was kind of par for the course for a lot of movies. You know, it was like you know, even though he's a very attractive man and a very charismatic man and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. don't worry about him. In your white woman, because like that's not a thing that's going to happen. Because we're, we're make sure that that's not you know you're he not gonna, even he yeah. gonna sleep in his car. You you yeah, be alright. He's gonna sleep in his car. <laughs> you know you don't don't worry about it. There's another scene in this movie which I thought was very interesting because again this movie goes to great lengths to not be about race. You know outside yeah. of like a very few specific instances, and one of those instances is a throwaway line which I don't know if you caught, but like it's after, first of all, we got to talk about just very briefly. I don't even know if I have a drop for this, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll figure out something to put in <laughs> after the fact, but like, okay. The, the, the scene is, so it's the scene where they're celebrating maybe just the church being done. Right. The fiesta and they're They're having the fiesta. Sidney Poitier's footwork on the hat dance. No, I saw. Oh, yeah, come I saw on, that. boy. Oh, and I know what you're talking about. I know what you're my man. About. My man was getting it. He was, he was <laughs> in there. Hey, uh, at he, least he tried. I mean, he fell right on his ass, but I'm glad he tried. Nah, he was working it though. I mean, he was he coming was in. It. Yeah, no, he he. I don't know if he was doing anything that was culturally uh, <laughs> correct. Like, yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> but, I don't think so either. <laughs> I think he was just making some shit up, but. <laughs> You know, hey man, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta be courageous. You gotta be fearless, man. Look, I mean, you could see, you could, you could imagine Cindy back in the day at Hammerjacks. Getting uh, it, <laughs> Hammerjacks. <laughs> My God, <laughs> that is a that's whoa, a real that's Baltimore a real, reference. For that's a real Baltimore, real throwback <laughs> reference. If you were alive in Baltimore in the nineties, you know exactly what the scene is. <laughs> You know exactly the vibes, hammerjacks. <laughs> but so they're having the fiesta, and then yeah, like they all kind of fall out. They're all a little drunk. They fall on the ground. Yeah, and I don't know if somebody says it to him specifically, but Sydney says the line. You know, Gringo. I don't know if that's a step up or a step down from you know something that I've been called in the past. Right. Yes. And we know what he's talking about. <laughs> we know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> It's like when they it's like when they fake curse in PG movies mm-hmm. to like keep it PG. I'm like, don't don't do that. Just don't <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but it's interesting because it is quite literally a throwaway line. Like he he says that and then they fade to black and then the next blink and you starts. miss it. Yeah. So I'm I'm also just curious about like why, right? Because like up until that point, aside from you know a. It's not subtle, you know, like the scenes that we're talking about with him and the contractor dude. The contractor guy, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's very, he's supposed to be an overt 
you know opposition yeah he's supposed yeah he's supposed to be the opposition he's supposed to be like i'm the racist in town right and so you get a little bit of because nobody else in this movie is racist nobody else in this movie i think even has a a, an idea of race as a concept like everybody else the nuns definitely don't act like it when when he pulls up in the beginning you get this inkling that it might be it might go a little astray but then it's literally just like a no you work for me situation it's not even yeah been like acknowledged that and even that, in that race right? is the thing that divides them yeah until even the stove scene for sure well even that i like ideological concept of like black man you work for me right like isn't even the, like isn't the thing that is even really it really touched upon in the movie because like Damn, it was hard for me to get over i was like how are you gonna it was i'm gonna say yeah and it's not even like i'm i'm having ptsd or anything You're like right. that but <laughs> As soon as like a white woman comes up to a black man in the movie and is like, you know, you're gonna fix my roof. Yeah. <laughs> and then like he doesn't get paid, I get worried. I'm like, all right. And then man, continually like, do doesn't do? get paid. Like continues to do more works. free labor for her. I I wasn't even on the plantation, but I was like, <laughs> bro, like dog, like we worked a long time, so we don't have to do this. Like <laughs> Yeah. I mean it's it's weird because like that in and of itself is has racial overtones but like is not right. addressed at all it's direct um, but it's direct yeah but then so yeah so he says that line and i'm just kind of like i don't what what is it that you want me uh, we, that, a question we ask every single episode mm-hmm. this movie is not made for black people mm-hmm. i don't know if you envisioned a black person watching this movie but like i don't know what <laughs> eventually you yeah. expected me to take away from that line was it like mm-hmm, you know like affirmation of of what sydney is trying to get at there or is it is that a joke is that comedy is that right um, right you know another one of those is kind of like bittersweet lines that he speaks that you know if if you're keyed into certain things you might say oh that's kind of fucked up well i guess it's like we're in agreement that this movie ain't for black people but it is for i'm gonna say it's for like the ned flanders of the world do you know what i mean oh for sure oh yeah yeah. like people who deep down they think they're good-hearted and you know do god's work quote-unquote yeah um thousand percent yeah, and then like you know they encounter racism. Sure, they like may go to the grocery store, and or they may go to the bus stop and have to sit you know at a different bench or drink from a different water fountain, and they think yeah. that's kind of messed up. This movie is for them because they can see themselves in the good-hearted people, the the neighborhood. They can mm-hmm. see themselves in the nuns yeah. who would normally just think to put them to work, but not understand like the overtones that make this a fraught situation so they can see themselves in those characters and learn the lesson or like you know spread the word that this is a lesson but if this movie was for black people we like you you know you and me we watch this movie and we're like i uh, why are you taking this job like do you really need money that bad like how how many more miles is it to la like you don't have to fix that roof you don't have to build them a church no you don't have to do any of this stuff. You and then when, when there's yeah. a, yeah, you ain't got to do shit, bro. Like, but get this water and get gone. Like, yeah. But like you said, um, you know, the, the scene in question, I feel like that's what 
white people or the white writer of this book or screenplay look at this and say, oh, this makes Sydney's character well-rounded because he's experienced strife and he's able to, you know, explain that. He's able to illustrate that for other people versus like, um, I guess at the time, a much less nuanced screenwriter or much less in tune author would probably just have this character you know experience this stuff like be told to work and he would work but he wouldn't like apply his outside experiences to this Mm -hmm. right like a much less interested screenwriter would probably just have this character do this work get out of there and maybe the nuns would learn the lesson or maybe the the townspeople the mexican town people would learn the lesson but otherwise he would do what he was quote unquote to you know some white people put on this earth to do and then get gone you know right he'd be that magical negro who would come in you know make everybody's lives a little better and get ghosts which is like so many other movies you know that's literally what had had me daniel won her oscar for was you know doing what she was supposed to do and uh, giving Miss Scarlet a little bit of, you know, a pat on the back when, you know, Rhett kicked her to the curb, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a fraught relationship in these movies. And I'm going to say, like, pre-70s, uh, pre-80s movies, honestly, until like, pe- until, like, you know, Black people are able to make movies for themselves. Mm-hmm. White people, their relationship to Black people in movies was that, they were the like black people are the outsiders and like they it's it's it was so hard for them to escape slavery and Mm -hmm. the world around them until then and we have to make movies where these characters are navigating this new world where you know not necessarily civil rights are enacted because like you said the civil rights act doesn't even get passed until uh, a year after he wins the oscar yeah which is three years after the book is written yeah so the world this movie enters is not a world for Sydney's character. It's not a it's not a world for the Homer Smiths of the world. Right. And yeah. You know, I feel like it's it's another movie where <laughs> I'm 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 just thinking of same kind of different as me. It's another movie where... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we, we can talk about this too cuz I wanted to get into this too. Oh, like Okay. It's yeah, a, it's a, this is a Christian movie. This is a movie is a about Christian, Christian values. Yeah, it's the Jesus of it all because, like, yeah. really, Mother Maria's whole deal is just like God will figure it out, and then God figures it out. Like, you know, there's yeah. really no. I think that's another reason why a lot of the tension felt diffused for me throughout the movie because it's just kind of like she's gonna pray and something's gonna happen. Like that's and something's gonna happen. Is gonna you know. But she literally more. writes letters to uh, New York financial agents yeah. to try to like get them to out of the goodness of their heart donate money or bricks or fucking materials or something anything she came up on something at the end of the movie like eventually then, somebody somebody came up listening. off some bricks yeah <laughs> somebody came up off them bricks god came up off them bricks. Yeah. um but yeah it's like same kind of different as me is just wildin' right as far as christian values go it's just crazy talk whereas this movie is like 
I'm going to go, I'm going to say like, it's more Bible stories than anything. Oh yeah. Where it's, it's kind of good hearted, good natured. And the racism of it all is almost secondary to. Yeah. The, the story, the, the Christian allegory. Oh yeah. Well, it's very much is almost like a, you know, man tested by God. You know, right. like, I mean, Mother Maria consistently says you were sent to us. God sent you to me. God sent you to us to help build mm-hmm. this church. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, this is your crucible. This is your trial. You have to right. see this thing through, you know, before you can move on to the next part of your life. And so, you know, like that is a big element of the movie. Um, but, you know, there's also within that same as same kind of different as me, that kind of blind love everybody like love your neighbor love you know because even like, even the man who busts in the cafeteria <laughs> with a baseball bat <laughs> busts a window out. love him too love him too yeah well because it's like so it's a very interesting setup because this is uh if there's another scene that you want to talk about i think this is the last scene that i i, I keyed in on and again i don't think this was a scene that the people who made this movie felt would be anything other than, you know, uproarious laughter, but it's the scene where, so Sydney like has started to build the chapel. And then for whatever reason, some of the, uh, you know, Mexican, uh, people who go to the, the parking lot church show up and like, are watching him build, watching him build by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy who runs the restaurant, you know, in that parking lot. Also, by the way, was it, a white man in brown face. I know. And seemingly the only the only person who speaks English of all of these. Or honestly speaks, speaks because yeah. the Mexican speaking Spanish people only say, si, senor, and keep yeah. it moving. And so, you know, he comes in and, you know, there's a whole comedic angle of them, like, slowly moving closer and closer until they finally just start building the church, you know, against yeah, yeah. Cindy's wishes. But then, so he goes and he sits down and like, it's, I think it's the next day and like, they're all building, but like, they're building it wrong. Like they're not building it to the specifications of whatever yeah. mother Maria had. And the so walls she's are trying too to, high. yeah, she's trying to explain it to them. And then, um, you know, they don't understand her because they don't speak English and they don't speak German and like, she doesn't speak Spanish. And so like it, it devolves into this whole thing of just like everybody yelling at each other in mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. language. And I was just like, right? like that's kind of, <laughs> it was, I, I was cringing. I'm, uh, it was a little cringe to and be honest. It was supposed to be funny. Cause it was like, ha, huh, look at these people who don't speak English. Like they're all, they all, they're all mixed up and crazy. And, and Sydney's just kind of watching it too from afar of like, you know, I guess this is that's a very black thing to do, though, is like yeah. watch something very racist and wild go down and just be like, I'm a I'm a continue to sit on this log and draw. <laughs> or well, whatever it was I also kind of like, a, oh, remember when I was in charge? You know, shit wasn't going down like this, y'all. And now mm-hmm. all y'all fucked up. And I'm just going to sit over <laughs> here and watch because y'all you, know, you didn't want me to build the church by myself. So, oh, my God. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was just another moment of the movie where it's like. I think this is supposed to be funny. I'm not laughing, but like I think mm. this was supposed to be a comedic moment of yeah. I didn't laugh at this movie at something. all. <laughs> I, not really, you know. I don't. I didn't laugh at this movie not once. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's so let's let's talk a little bit about 
you know, because even I'll, I'll, there's not really even a lot of behind the scenes, you know, to talk about, you know, specifically in the sense of one, you know, as much as I looked up, you know, about this movie, like, yeah, you know, it's, it kind of is what it is. Like it is what you get, you know, it's like very on the surface uh, situation, <laughs> but um, a few things to note, right? <laughs> so um, one, I mean, Sydney wins the Oscar, right? In 1964. Yeah. He's presented the Oscar uh, by, I'm going to have to look up her name again, um, but it is a white actress who um, hands him the Oscar. And then, as you do in Hollywood, kind of get like a kiss on the cheek. And that turned into a whole situation, right? Oh, like, for real? You know, people were upset about it. There was a little bit of back and forth, you know, in terms of... Because she didn't like, wash her lips afterwards? <laughs> And so that that was kind of like a a little bit of a to do, you know, after he he wins. It's also interesting because allegedly this is something that I, I could not con- confirm, but our favorite Harry Belafonte was reportedly <laughs> offered the role and rejected the role as he deemed the character a non-person. Ah. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> which this, yo, I I want to <laughs> hang with Harry Belafonte, <laughs> I want to talk to him. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> We're gonna we work got out. questions. We'll we'll have a double. We'll have Harry and Sydney on too. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it because we have questions. But I I mean, considered him a non-person. Not wrong, right? Like not, not wrong. Yeah, very astute in that because he really isn't doing much of anything that I would constitute as like a, a fully fleshed out. And it's not just him. The other nuns besides Mother Maria are just there. broad strokes, you know, just like nuns. You know, there's like no character large. development. There's no. I think they. Ha- yeah, I think they have names. I don't know. I didn't. I they didn't had names. At the end, there's that little uh, the credit sequence, and they they give them all names and who they're yeah. played by, and I was just like, did I ever hear their names? Right, Sydney, after winning the award, as he kind of alluded to, was a little conflicted about it because yeah, it at once was a great honor, you know what I mean, and like again being the first and all of that stuff. But also felt a little bit of tokenism because it, he, in his mind, it was kind of like, did you just give this to me to give it to me? Like, was it just like, a, hey, good, good job, <laughs> you know, like pat on the head? Because yeah. like we said, Defiant Once, he was nominated for the same award, Best Actor. And in a much more interesting role. You're doing a lot more. There's a lot more to that character. It was a much better performance. Mm-hmm. And this movie is kind of like, like we were saying, in the heat of 1963, you know, things are getting real tense. And here's Sydney smiling, singing amen, you know, like just being, having a good old yeah. time with these nuns in the middle of Arizona. And it feels very much like a help or a green book or a, you know, like one of those movies that like, because if you look at the reviews, right, and we'll we'll go down the list if you look on imdb it's got i want to say it's a seven seven point six amazon you know it's five stars uh on <laughs> <laughs> no you, you already that sounds know. like that sounds like the ad is like amazon you know it's five stars <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 92%, you know? Like, sure. people sure. had nothing but good things to say about the movie. And I'm and, honestly but, not hating. I'm honestly not hating. I'm not hating either, but, like, if you read the reviews, it's a very reminiscent vibe from The Help and Green Book of the movie we need right now, a movie bringing people together, a movie that heals, a movie that, you know, like, a lot of those same lines and, and things like that where it's basically like, see, white people and black people can do it. You know, they can have <laughs> friendships and it's all good. And like we the rest still of doing you. that, bro. Like, yeah, we we same kind of different as me came out in 2014. Still <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so it's like at the time. Sure. Right. OK. 1963. Black people, white people. It's Again, black people, and white people. You know, there were there were all kinds of different friendships and relationships on screen mostly of a you know there's definitely a superior and a inferior you know alluded to in those relationships but mm. it it wasn't necessarily even like a novel thing but i think it just yeah. made white people feel good like it just made them feel good sydney made them feel good like there wasn't really anything um yeah that was like it wasn't provocative in any sense you know, like Not it at really all. was just like a very nice, wholesome movie. And so to have this be his Oscar moment, I think for it's him his was whole Oscar too, which is Yeah, was very, very disgusting. conflicting for him, you know, to kind of in the moment and then as years went by to kind of think about why did they give that to me for that movie? You know what I mean? Of all the movies that I've done. Like that's it seems it seems like a choice. Yeah, I'm okay. actually like I'm looking at choice. I'm looking at uh who he was nominated against in the year he won, not the yeah. year he was nominated. For sure. Um so he he wins over Albert Finney and Tom Jones, Richard mm. Harris in This Sporting Life, Rex Harrison and Cleopatra, and Paul Newman in HUD. Which all of these are like what? <laughs> yeah. Three out of four of them are uh, British actors. So I guess that's like, that's a big win because it's like an American actor. And then you got Paul Newman in like what is almost the quintessential Paul Newman role. Yeah. It it is very strange that it's this movie, this performance. And then if you want to look at the year he was nominated but lost, uh, it's... Tony Curtis in The Defiant Ones, his mm-hmm. his co-star in that movie. You got Paul Newman in Cattle on Hot Tin Roof and Spencer Tracy in an adaptation of The Old Man in the Sea. And uh, David Niven wins for a movie called Separate Tables that I've never fucking heard of. So, <laughs> so I just find it so odd what the Academy thinks is like an award worthy performance. And mm-hmm. I know it's, I mean, it's always been fucked, right? It's always been confusing and strange. I mean, we, we talked about how the Enzel won for training day over, um, a, you know, after, you know, glory. And he hadn't been even, I don't think he was even nominated for Malcolm X, which is fucking garbage. No. That's like that's honestly sure. the biggest yeah. like you, everyone fucked up moment at the Oscars for me. 
Um, but it's like, what is what is it about the performance other than he's an approachable black man? What is it? Because in yeah. the Defiant Ones, he's fighting a guy who's handcuffed to him. And in the two, right. in, uh, I've said this before, he starred in, what, two very uh, caustic movies in 1966 uh, in the heat of the night and guess who's coming yeah. to dinner in the best actor yeah. category both of his co-stars in each movie Rod Steiger and in the heat of the night and Spencer Tracy in guess who's coming to dinner get the nominations but not the black man mm -hmm. who is the cause of the literally the reason the, the plot of both movies are set in motion gives the better performance <laughs> in both movies it's actively yeah. because you know he he lost he lost i'll say he lost because he slaps the shit out of a black man a white man in in the heat of the night and kisses a white woman and oh, guess yeah. who's coming to dinner and those are both just like yep. eh, eh, just we crossing them out as soon as he does that as soon as he did both <laughs> things both the things he's like all right we, he out we can't yeah. we can't have him doing that but I can imagine, you know, the Academy watching in the heat oh, of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Oh. Mm -hmm. And then watching Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, like, oh, this is great. Oh, oh. Not my daughter. But if he builds a church for some nuns, that's what yeah. we want to see out of that's our new actors. He better be serving yeah. Miss Scarlet or... She better be serving Miss Scarlet or building the church <laughs> for some nuns. So a note filling in uh, something that I mentioned previously. So when he won the Oscar, he was presented it by Anne, Anne uh, Bancroft. Oh, okay. um, and she gave him a kiss. On the <gasps> everybody was like, mm -mm. a lot of a lot of harumphs in the murmurs audience. in the crowd, uh, murmurs in the crowd, <laughs> booing and harumph. <laughs> <laughs> A few just random facts about this movie, because there's just a lot of Go. weird stuff that kind of went into it. So partially because this movie is about the construction of a chapel, um, they had yeah. to they had to build it. Right. And so you need to see it in different stages of production. So the movie and the church basically happened in real time. Like they just were every day they were building it a little bit more mm. for the next day. Um so it was an actual building, but because it was built on rented property, they just immediately. No, are you serious? It, it doesn't even stand. Oh, dog! No. You know what? It reminded me of the chapel no. in uh, Kill Bill. I thought it was like, oh, you know what? That's probably cool if they mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. went out there because it's a chapel in the desert off the side of the road. Yep, that's and that's exactly Tarantino a thing do. that Tarantino would do. Oh, you know they shot. He would, <laughs> and he would say it all day on set. You know they shot lilies of the field at this apple. You know, <laughs> did you know that? And they're like, "Can we do this? We, we've already we haven't done enough tricks today." <laughs> um, City Portier gave up part of his usual salary and agreed to do the film for a smaller percentage, uh, a smaller amount, but then got you know a percentage uh, of the profits, uh, which I were not. Not small. Again, I have no concept of inflation. So on Wikipedia, it's telling me that this movie made $3 million or $7 okay. million. That's a gap. It says, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if that's I, it says rentals, money or today. So I guess that's like people renting the movie at whatever preceded I, Blockbuster. 
I guess I yeah you know, and it says the budget for the movie is uh two hundred forty thousand yeah, so dollars or two. I'm gonna say it's a, it's a success. I mean, people right. at that time were paying like a quarter for a movie. Like you know, I went to I went to the dollar for I went to the oh yeah yeah, yeah no, this movie is by far definitely a success. I doubt mm. it really cost that much to make. I don't know what the equivalent of two hundred forty thousand dollars is today. Or if this is telling me that it costs two hundred forty thousand dollars okay. today money, um, but I also wouldn't not <laughs> believe that if you told me that. There's really not a lot. What could have cost money besides City Portier? Like, and if he took less money, then you know the church is probably the most expensive I mean, thing in the movie. He, then it's kind of um, like his character in the movie a little bit, you know. Sidney <laughs> Portier famously cannot sing. Oh yeah. This, um, and so in the movie, he is singing Amen. And Amen is a song by Jester Harrison. And they dubbed Sidney Poitier over with Jester Harrison. So he is singing his song in the movie. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm calculating. I was calculating what $240,000 is <laughs> now. $240,000 is about $2,200,000. That's still that's not still a lot. not a lot. For yeah, a I mean, it, I mean uh, for a movie that's shot in yeah. like two locations, and then the right. indoors and outdoors of both locations, and they they, they had to buy that car, yep. they had to rent that car. I guess. Two last things: director Ralph Nelson, yeah, put his house up <laughs> as collateral to fund the movie. Which, I mean, again, if we're talking about this movie not really costing that much money, that's. I guess, you know, there wasn't really a lot of money being Yeah, I want to know. It's like, uh... <laughs> it's kind of like same kind of different as, uh, not same kind of different as me, uh, Black or White, where Kevin Costner is like, this movie needs yeah. to get made. I got six million. Gotta get Who it got done. another six? <laughs> and this, if you, if you didn't know this, Cameron, I'm sure this will pique your interest. There is a sequel made no. called Christmas the Lilies of the Field. It's not even a good title. In 1979. In which Homer Smith is now portrayed by Billy D. Williams. Yes. He, he comes back and is convinced to build a kindergarten for a group of orphans and runaways who the sisters have taken in. Wait, wait, wait. He's, building, just, he's building a kindergarten? He's building a school? Yeah. Does he like come back? Did he go away and come back? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Probably not for any money. Either. Right. Like, just out of the, what did he learn? They just, they just trick him again into building more shit for them. What did he learn? Homer is like, <laughs> that's why I bet they approached Sydney for the movie too. And they were like, fam, do you want to like, we're making another one. And it's, nah. it's your boy again. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's your boy Ralph. <laughs> and then he's like, nah, fam. I got, I got stuff. to do. I am Sydney Portier now. I have to go direct ghost dad. Boy, I'm going to show this to you. because <laughs> <laughs> Just, you, you, you kind of have to, we'll post this, but you kind of have to just see. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so y'all can't see this, but <laughs> no, this is weird. So it's what this movie was made in 1979, which means they obviously had color film. They obviously had color, yep. but they yep. have saturated their faces, just taken all of the color out of their faces. But the church and their clothes, colored Look blue. At this. Look at this. Look at That's this. Perm. Got man. Real... <laughs> That's a black ass man with a perm and a half like <laughs> your boy's hair is silky smooth and he's yeah, wearing he's like got, a polyester tie he's got real terrence howard hustle and flow energy yeah. in these pictures <laughs> that is not who i thought roger smith was gonna grow up into 
Um, oh my god, that's funny. Hey man, well let's. Co forty five wasn't paying all the bills, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let's think about if there's a way to to reimagine this film. Um, yeah, I don't want to cop out because actually it was. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say it was actually kind of decent. The movie. Yeah. I don't hate on it completely, but mm. it's like I don't know to reimagine it. I don't know. It's like. I kind of, I'm thinking like maybe if it's from the POC lens, right? If it's from yeah. Homer Smith's standpoint, maybe like I want to think about th that movie has a little bit more attention to me. That movie has a little bit more like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm worried <laughs> if I'm, if oh, I'm yeah. Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson, I'm, if I'm Homer Smith, uh, I'm a little bit more worried in this situation, right? I'm driving up Arizona highway. I'm the only person on the highway. My car is overheated. And mm -hmm. I gotta, you know, I gotta get some water somewhere. And here's this, you know, nunnery over here on the side of the road. I'm a little worried. <laughs> I'm just gonna be worried. I'm just, I'm, I'm not gonna feel comfortable, right? And then that movie isn't really a movie about like, I mean, it's still a movie about kindness, right? How the yeah. nuns extended the kindness of like, you know, food and shelter, what meager food and shelter they had. Um. But that movie is more about like how I'm gonna get out of this situation if I'm Homer Smith. <laughs> I'm like, how am I gonna get to a town with some black people in it? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of difficult because like he's such a non-entity, right? You know, in the movie, like he is kind of the driving force of the movie, but I guess God also is the driving force of the movie. God's always <laughs> and, the driving force, baby. <laughs> yeah, and like he. You know, I, I agree with you in the sense that, like, if, we, if we're telling the story from his perspective, because, I mean, one of the things that isn't really commented on and investigated is that he is a former GI. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, I'm assuming, what do you think we're talking about? Like, because he, I mean, how old do you think he is in this movie? I'd say 30, 25, 28, late okay. 20s. So... Is I I guess he's probably, I mean, would he be a Vietnam veteran? No, no, he. Uh, if anything, he. What sixty three? Because that went until seventy five. So that is that would have been the the war of but like, the time. That I guess he, I mean he went to Vietnam and then like came directly back after like right. half a month there. Like he didn't even spend that long there. Because otherwise, I'm not quite sure what what war he was in. War he would be a, a veteran of, bruh. Yeah, um, he does. I mean, this is the I, we didn't we didn't mention this. This was maybe the wildest part of the movie is that at one point after Mother Maria is like running him down, he basically calls her Hitler. <laughs> no, that happens twice. <laughs> That's a and it's a joke to them. <laughs> I was like. I had to double check. I was like, this movie was not made in the. <laughs> you know, That's wild. She, freshly. Uh, she literally escaped Hitler and they yes. like joking about it. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy that they're just like, yeah, you know, like you're, you're like a regular Hitler. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, always too soon, but like <laughs> probably very actually too soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, specifically for Germany of the time, like, you know, even though, yes, this was, 
you know, decades after World War II had ended, like they were still very much so in the throes of like the aftermath of I'm gonna assu- everything that had happened. I'm going to assume they were there when <laughs> the, Hit- oh, yeah. Hitler was Hitlering. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume they they were there. They they experienced peak Hitler, prime Hitler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this might Probably be the only we're... podcast anyone's ever said peak Hitler. <laughs> 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 but i mean the fact yeah that he said it so casually and they're joking like they a, laughing yeah and her reaction to it was like a i never you know not even like a what the fuck did you just say right it's not <laughs> like, like I, who, who i know talking? i'm a nun but hold up <laughs> no right coming out uh, the side of your face at me and then they're like yeah. at the end of the movie they they joke about it again and they're like ribbing each other's elbows basically like <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hitler was only that was, dead like 20 years ago. It's like I, that's like me and like <laughs> me calling like a white lady I work for Trump. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, man, it's a regular Trump over here. And then she's like, yeah. but not like a white lady, right? Like a nun. <laughs> no, but right, but like she's she's like German. It's like you know, it <laughs> she's literally first hand. You know, it's experience. like calling a calling a cuban like a regular fidel castro it's like (laughs) the fuck (laughs) that's not you know that's you're you're really you you are expressing a real faith that this person is not gonna beat your ass (laughs) when you say something like that you're you're wildin cuh yeah you're wildin cuh So yeah, I would I would say uh, <laughs> back to trying to reimagine this movie. I would say that you know that's that's part of it though is that you know he is somebody who you know fought for his country and probably with the ex- expectation and assumption that he would get something in return, right? And like minimum clearly payment was, for his work, right? And clearly was not given anything in return for his work. He bought nigga. He bought them groceries. <laughs> I know. My nigga got and a like, job with a racist asshole, used his wages yeah. to pay for groceries for the same people who wouldn't pay him. No. Confusing. Like, he did so much for them that was just like, that's like, again, that's really nice. Like, that's literally maybe the nicest that anybody has ever been. This Negro is but, truly magical. Yeah, but also just like, take it down a little bit, dog. Like, what you're doing a lot. The most some would say for very little return but yeah i mean i would like to see an explanation or an exploration rather of some of the things that he's alluding to i mean you know just the racism that he faced and probably attempting to become an architect become an engineer um you know him kind of having because it's there's there is a catharsis right to the idea of him finally achieving a dream right like mm. achieving something that he has thought about since he was a kid and in the construction of you know yeah it's not the golden gate bridge and it's not you know the Sistine chapel or anything like that it's a small church mm. in the middle of arizona right so like it might not seem like such a big achievement but for him who you know this is everything that he's been denied over and over and over again finally getting the opportunity to make this thing come true because that's why it seems kind of strange at, at at the beginning when he's very much so adamant about doing this on his own right you're just kind of like 
do why don't you just let the other i mean they're clearly here to help you they're not here to watch you that's a very <laughs> straight you're not that exciting or entertaining um yeah and also that was played so, for laughs and i was just confused i was like yeah. why are you working bro like ah. yeah get the help so, <laughs> right you know the the fact that he's so hard headed about it. I was kind of like, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it <laughs> seems like you would get this done a lot quicker if you had people who are willing to help you. I got a feeling um, that the white screenwriter was like, you know, black people what they love, they love hard labor. You, they yeah, did it for so, so lazy, long. Though. They're so <laughs> they're the laziest, hard working people I've <laughs> ever met. In <laughs> Yeah, nobody can slack off yet get a job done Better. on time like black people. <laughs> like black people. So oh, yeah, man. I mean, like if you if you would have built up to that moment more though, right? Yeah. Of like really giving us his backstory and like why this was such an important thing to him, and even that, right? Like you could get a better sense of why he might be willing to forego regular employment or continue to stick around with these nuns when it's like. Oh, I see. Like, this is it for him. Like, this is kind of tie it all back to God, tie it all back to Jesus. God has given him a task, a, a, something to be set forth to do. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, this is his charge to build this chapel. And, sure. um, you know, because at the end, we didn't really talk about the end either. But like, that was very bizarre how he just kind of like sung amen but then like snuck like literally like snuck out the <laughs> the house yeah it's like they didn't while... know but they knew <laughs> like they didn't they right. saw him leave but they also were like he's coming back well mother maria saw him leave the others i guess were just so like so... into the song that they just did not look up at all as he very quietly like crept out of their house <laughs> and like got into his car and drove, and drove away. away yeah I I, I kind of saw it. I mean, this is the optimist in me, I guess, was like, yeah. you know, he's he's singing the song. It's kind of a call and response song. So they sing their amen parts and he sings the verses and mm -hmm. he's like singing the verses and keeping them going. But it's like it's like when you um, when you sing a lullaby to a kid to help him go to sleep and you like might yeah. be walking out the door you know, cracking the door and still singing the lullaby and then close the door, but just still singing the <laughs> lullaby outside, hoping that the kid's going to go to sleep. I th that That's the vibes yeah. I got in that moment, even though it was like, I guess so. Yeah. Really odd. Cause that's his goodbye. Yeah. He's never going to, I mean, he's not never going to see these people again because Christmas lilies of the field. Yeah. He's going to come back as a different black person. <laughs> I hope Christmas lilies of the field is like, literally he's a different person and they just think that it's the same one because it's the only black man they've ever seen they gotta um, so <laughs> they gotta unbid that one like Aunt Viv, you look different so and then just keep it pushing it's billy d williams <laughs> but it really is billy d williams but they think it's uh oh, oh. Sidney Portier, and they're just like <laughs> oh we're welcome back and, and he's just some random black guy that's yep. kind of like Maybe I can get something out of this. I, 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 sure, I'm Homer. Homer? Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure, I could do that. <laughs> All right. Build a kindergarten? Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, Mother Maria. But, I mean, I yeah, I guess that's that's probably the best way to do it. Um, just because, yeah, they don't, none, nobody really has a story or any real deep character. Yeah, nobody Things does. to dig into into this movie, so... 
you know, if we're going to give it to anybody, give it to Homer and let him have a little bit more of a, of a desire and impetus to do this, that, that tracks better than he's just a really good person who wants who to, wants to make help something with his yeah. hands, you know, cause that's, yeah, that's peak magical Negro. He's like, you know, the Houdini of Negroes. It's like, it's too much. Let's get to our Caucasity ranking. I mean, I don't need to tell you. Can't remember what the, the rankings are. Yeah, yeah. But we'll tell them for the people at home what our what our three levels of Caucasity are. I we can each name a third level. I kind of have a third level. You have a new third level. But we'll see if we'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So first level is shorts in the winter yeah we are we are there now we're experiencing it in real time i have seen it it is saw it on the subway today it's very cold outside you know what it's, i mean like it's not we're, we're talking about 30s we're talking about you know, 20s like, sometimes you, you know like snow on the ground <laughs> it's not there's no disputing the fact that it is cold outside frozen puddles yeah and you know still somehow some way they're out there bare legs sometimes barefoot uh and just <laughs> sandals sometimes just Birkenstocks, going about their lives raw dog you know. raw dog in this cold i know we're out here in in the whole north face collection and, <laughs> you know, they, they just still got that tommy bahama going on but um you know that's it, it's not bothering me i've i have questions about it it's certainly an interesting decision but you know, violence is not being done. Nobody's really being harmed, except for possibly you. Right, um, right. Cameron, what's our second level? Our, our second level is uh, touching my hair. So now, now you've invaded my space. Now you've invaded, you know, my my face, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just reaching in. Probably not asking. You know, can I? Or, oh, or no, if no, you no, do no. ask, your hands are already probably inside yeah. of my bubble fully right you know uh and and that's a violent act you know we know it but they mm. act like they don't <laughs> yeah they act like they don't and it's like to even suggest that it is is an affront it's, to them you know i wouldn't i never <laughs> uh. i read between the world and me what do you mean this is... <laughs> oh man <laughs> I man, um, I got a story. I got some stories. <laughs> I got some stories. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, the third level. Yeah, what you got? I guess I. I got. Do you have one? I. I don't. Uh, okay. I, I have the most recent one I gave. Okay. I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter account. Oh. You know, just like yeah, but it's been taken care of. It's been taken care of, but you know, before before it got to that point, you know, just yeah, your girl was wilding out here saying all kinds of things. Saying I just, still, yeah, just saying you could do whatever. COVID ain't real, you know, like a full senator. <laughs> I mean, after I mean, this I think this was before she was a senator, but like that whole Jewish space laser thing is still wild to me that that woman <sighs> insinuated that, and people are like. I'll vote for you. <laughs> I will. You need to be in charge of my well-being. Yeah, I really think you've got the right ideas. Uh, but that's it. She really thinks she has the right ideas. And this level of and multiple people is think like, she does. 
Yeah. You know, like you're out here. Doesn't matter who's in your way. You know, you're just you're you're stomping on facts. You're stomping on truth. You're stomping on anybody who's got any just anything that you don't like. You're just going to wipe it out, which is the true uh, colonialist uh, (laughs) mind state. Yeah, that is the attitude. Oh, I was going to say I was going to stick with, uh, you know, Rihanna's um, wax figure in Madame Tussauds Mm -hmm. that looks like none of the artists have ever seen Rihanna. Yeah, heard of her? They were given vibes, and then you know they were they're given the picture of Brianna, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> and just and said and, just go. Yeah. Okay. Sure. This is yeah close enough. <laughs> but this is yeah this is the level of of extreme violence with intention. Yes. You know, Peak like this caucasity. Is not, yeah. Not not a mistake or you know just a a well-intentioned blunder but like you knew exactly what you were doing and you did it with gusto (laughs) yeah so where do you think lilies of the field lands on that scale i don't know if this is the first time i've said this maybe it's not i don't know i'm i feel like i'm the apologist on this podcast sometimes (laughs) i mean white people are okay sometimes but they be they be wilding, but you know, do not get do not hey don't take that audio and like do that shit with me. All right, black people, because I see you and I know us. Okay, Cameron's gonna be on the next episode of Candace Owens podcast. White people are okay, <laughs> and just play that clip over and over again. Uh, but I think this movie is just like it's shorts in the winter. Like I to me, uh, I feel like. It doesn't, it's not advocating for black people. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not even written with black people in mind, but it's mm-hmm. what it does do is like par for the course as far as like any movie on race goes. Yeah. And honestly, the movie kind of goes through great lengths not to acknowledge race, but like the way mm-hmm. it is acknowledging uh, white people's role in racism is like yeah. milk toast. It's like I've seen it. That's a Tuesday, mm-hmm. bro. Like yeah, some yeah. some contractor guy calling a calling a black person shiftless is like <laughs> I've I've heard worse through a window. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's that's where I'm at with it. I agree. I would say this is shorts in the winter. This might be the first. Double shorts. Double shorts. <laughs> double shorts. This is the first double had. shorts. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's it's so benign, you know, yeah. it's just there. There's not really anything here that like we said, they touch on race in in, in such a way as almost like I guess we kinda have to do this yeah. because City Portier is in this movie, but right. like that's not really what this is about. It's a pretty safe and movie. It re- and it really isn't what it's about. It's about right. faith yes. and like doing, I don't know if you would consider it either the right thing or just God's will. I'm going to um, go with God's will, but I'm not going to go with the right <laughs> thing because my dude needed to make money to survive. Needed to make money. And even just like, what's the end? You know, like it seemed like there was not a thing that he was being asked to do that he would have said no to. I was worried in the last five minutes of that movie that he would have stayed and continued to build stuff for them. 
Right. Apparently I'm proven right yeah. because there's a sequel where he does the exact same thing. <laughs> but <laughs> I was worried that that movie was going to end with yeah. my dude being like, you know what? You nuns aren't so bad. I'm going to hang around and build y'all a school. I mean, I was really hoping that at some point she would have come off a check of, I don't know what the amount would have been, but like, you know, well, I didn't think she was going to be like, psych, I had the bag the whole time. But. Yeah. No, no, no. I, that ship sailed long ago for me in this movie. I knew but she But at least it's like a, yeah, but like a parting gift of like, you know, hey, like here's, here's a something, even if, it, even if it wasn't money, like here's like, you know, an heirloom of our, you know, order or something. I don't know. Something that's just kind of like a we appreciate what you did for us and my dude, you know we would like to give you something and said it seemed like the reward was the church you know <laughs> yeah. that was his reward is that he got to build the church my dude ate untoasted bread and a raw egg sure did and some milk that's the most unseasoned meal. <laughs> My man was not sticking around for the cuisine. No. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. There's uh, no <laughs> way you could keep me on that farm for longer than, you know, mm. building one thing. Cameron, Homer Smith built <laughs> them a, a chapel. Cameron yeah. would have thatched the roof. I think I would have thatched the roof, but like, yeah, I'm out. That's about it. I'm out. Yeah. Any movies you would suggest to watch instead? I mean, I think all the Sydney Portier movies that we yeah. have talked about, I think, uh, you know, In the Heat of the Night. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great one. I actually uh, saw that at MoMA maybe two years ago. Well, you know, everything was two years ago. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think I saw I saw it, uh, ooh, you know, on 35, you know, at, at the yeah. MoMA. And it was it's a good movie that's a that's a pretty like it's hardcore you know mm -hmm. uh, you get to see him slap a white man in the face in center <laughs> in the center of the frame it's it's mm, chef's kiss my dad was telling me that when he saw that movie in theaters that like up until that like that was kind of what black people had been waiting for right yeah. like you know sydney <laughs> had been cool and sydney had been nice and sydney had been all these other things but people were kind of like man i just can't wait till he like not necessarily slaps a white person, but like, is I've had enough of this shit. You yeah, know, it like gives him what for a little bit. And so when he slapped that dude, like, my dad was like, they might as well have just stopped the movie because <laughs> like, black people <laughs> were just clapping. <laughs> just, you know, he just like, oh my you know, god! <laughs> it was like it was like you know Jordan had just dunked on somebody. Right. Right. And like you know, you might as well stop the game for it's a minute because yeah. like people need to like take that in and receive that. So, oh my god, you're um, you're so right. I mean, I'm laughing because <laughs> it's true. Like, <laughs> I I didn't get to live through that time, so I didn't get to see stuff like that. But I'm sure it was it was a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say you know, I mean, even just closing this out, talking about Sydney. Well, first of all, before we leave recommendations, you would you <laughs> you recommend Ghost Dad? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say no. <laughs> no, I'm 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 gonna I'm say I'm gonna say that as a person who has seen Ghost Dad like <laughs> three or four times in my lifetime. Like I know that movie pretty well, which sucks. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't see. It's I, I'm, a, I'm just my bit on Ghost Dad real quick. The only reason I <laughs> I'm clowning him so hard is because I did not know his relationship with Bill Cosby beforehand. I didn't know they did mm, yeah. you know Uptown Saturday Night together and let's do it again and all that stuff. I didn't know like mm-hmm. they had that relationship, and so this was part of probably part of their friendship. But like, come on, you read that script and you're like, this is a great idea. <laughs> Multiple millions of dollars need to be spent on this, and like you're Sidney Portier, like. As a director, that's gonna be like on your filmography, yeah. bro. Like, let's let's do it real quick. Let's let's do his filmography as a director. I need to know. It's it's strange I mean, to me. He's got some weird stuff. So he's got uh, Buck and the Preacher. Yeah, uh, yeah. A Warm December, and then he's got Uptown Saturday Night. Yup. Which is like you know the big. That's his first first um couple of movies that he has with Bill Cosby. They have, they have three. It's a trilogy. It's yeah. it's, it's uh, Uptown Saturday Night. Then they literally do it again and Let's Do It Again. And, and then a piece of the action. And a piece of the action. And then he directs the Gene Wilder, uh, Richard Pryor comedy, Stir Crazy, which is like not good, but not bad either. That might be his best. That might be the best, like the the best film that he directed. It might be the best of the bunch, and yeah. the only one that people could still watch because it doesn't have Bill Cosby in it. Lit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's right after that comes uh, Hanky Panky, starring yeah. Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner, and this might be Gene Wilder's worst movie. <laughs> have you seen it? Have you ever seen it? Uh, I think it's one of the ones. It was like this movie, and then there was another movie he did after this. Which were kind of like, not you know, people did not respond well to those movies at all. Um, uh, yeah, it looks like trash. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we got uh, a movie called Fast Forward, in which a dance troupe from Ohio goes to New York to compete in a talent competition. That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> no. And then we got. The famed Ghost Dad in 1990. Ghost Dad, yeah. Uh, woof. <laughs> if it wasn't for Cosby, I might rewatch Ghost Dad on a limb just to like see how crazy. Because I do remember watching that movie and just even as a kid, just kind of being like, oh, "What? There's, <laughs> What's happening?" Yeah, there's some goofy bits in that movie. Like the uh, the reason he dies is because he Bill Cosby's in a car. Uh, he almost crashes into a truck and he swerves off of a dam or off of yeah. a bridge and there's a dog on a plank of wood. Actually, they did that in Beetlejuice. It's in, that joke is in Beetlejuice too. That's how the, the parents die in Beetlejuice. But there's a dog on, this, on a plank and the dog like hops off the plank and the car goes over. Yeah. Come, come on. Like, what? That's peak comedy for your boy Sidney Poitier. He's like physical I comedy. So. <laughs> I got it. I got it popping. <laughs> I mean, him Wait. and Bill apparently were big fans of that. So, hey, um, I mean, Ghost Dad is it recouped. So I can't say it was, it was a <laughs> complete flop. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we've said what needs to be said about this film. I don't really know. If there's anything else that you have on on Lilies of the Field, I mean, I think it's you know, it's it's not offensive. It's, it's not. It's not offensive. Know, one of those movies that I think you're gonna watch and and even be like, man, it was. I mean, it was a different time in the sense that like, 
I was gonna say a movie like this would be nominated for Best Picture, but like mm, no, I think mm. mo- movies were just different, you know, back then. Right, right, like, right. In the sense like, of like, you know, there wasn't necessarily always like a like a hardcore plot, you know, going on. Sometimes it was just vibes. Sometimes it was vibes. It was legit. Just vibes. <laughs> and and um, I, I will say this is like a this is a way better Christian values movie than uh same kind of different as me. Oh yeah. Like I it's tolerable and uh it's not necessarily shoving the word of God down your throat, even though the title comes yeah. from the Servant on the Mount and it is like yeah. about nuns. It doesn't feel like right. it's trying to like put those values on the viewer. It's literally just like a, no. a circumstantial situation. Yeah. So, you know, like you could also watch this movie, um, just don't necessarily expect to be wowed by it, you know, in the sense of it being like the, the definitive Sidney Portier experience, even though this is the one that he won, you know, the Oscar for. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot better performances that he gave throughout. Oh, for sure. Um, so, well, yeah, I think that's probably going to do it for us then. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Cameron, before before I leave. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh, no. I was just going to tell the world that Ghost Dad has a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, oh. <laughs> that's welcome news. <laughs> but I bet, wait, before we go, go to Amazon right now. Let me know. Yes. Let me know when it's got on Amazon. No, we got to do it. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, geez. I mean, I'm going to say probably yeah, what's four your over and under? a half. I, four and a half. I don't think they're going to give it five, but I don't think they're going to give it three. All right. Ghost Dad. Mm, let's get that rental pop in. What's up with Prime Video? It's, oh, my God. It's got a four and a half. It's a four and a half stars. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but, you yes. know, Amazon is definitely five stars. I know. It's a, that's a secret five. God um, damn! <laughs> out of love, 709 out of how many reviews? reviews? 709. 709. 709? Oh, I mean, that's still, come on, y'all. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't want to do a whole Ghost Dead podcast, but I have questions. I have questions. I'm going to make sure we do do one. <laughs> we'll talk about this after after the show, but uh, <laughs> let, me, Cameron, let everybody know what you've got going on out there in the world. Um. Yeah, you can uh, find me, uh, the Blipster eleven thirty eight on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find my sketch comedy at uh, To Karen with Love on Twitter on YouTube. Go laugh. Yep, yep. Uh, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrsosa eighteen jrsosa one eight. Comic stuff is definitely being announced soon got stuff popping percolating uh so you'll you'll hear about it on the show uh but be on the lookout for that uh and be on the lookout for us you can find us on twitter at white underscore pod we're still talking about doing some some stuff people have responded that they would like to you know see a live show or you know come and check us out at some point so you know again we're thinking about new york we're thinking about philadelphia we're Mm -hmm. thinking about you know, Baltimore, DC area, obviously Omicron still outside, yeah. like Jadakiss, but um, <laughs> you know, we're. But you know what? Do... Also, like Jadakiss, we gonna make it. 
Yeah. Also like Jada Kiss probably likes to eat only the crusts of pizza, which is just still the wildest thing to me. I can't I don't understand how he lives what? in New York, is from New York, and just eats the crust and does not eat the pizza. It's like What? <laughs> you know what? That's like I bet that's accurate. That's real. That sounds real. Oh no. I'm gonna show you the evidence uh once we get off air. Oh my but... god. Yeah, so be on the lookout for us. We're, we're going to try to make some of those things happen. But if you want to get in touch with us, you can write to us at whitepeoplewon'tsaveyoupod at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. You can also do all the things you do with your podcast. You can give us those stars, those likes, those thumbs up, those ratings. You can leave a review. Uh, definitely tell your friends, you know, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But we'll be back here with uh, some more of this podcastity next week. Uh, y'all be safe. Peace. Be outside. can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be safe you can't save us we don't want to be saved